This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Rachel Turner, and this week we're talking about how to finish well. School is almost out. How can we help our kids finish well without sort of just stumbling to the finish line and being like, summer's here? Is there something spiritually that is quite significant about finishing that we want to talk to them about? We're going to answer the question, are there spiritual love languages? And we are going to hear from our friend, Ellie Bird, uh, who is going to contribute a very interesting view of something. So let's get started. Uh, you did. I was. I wrote down on my notes. You're almost there. You did it. Congratulations. So yes, you almost finished a whole year of school. Yay! And for those of you who have under fives, I'm so sad for you. There's nothing that is significant <laughs> about this. You've reached another month. <laughs> Uh, well, anyways, the topic is finishing well. So whether or not your kid's in school, whether they're in nursery, whether they're just part of a club, or whether you're just thinking about it, how do we help our kids finish well? Because whether it's school coming to a close, there's something about a finishing up that can look different for everybody. And there's a, a lot of emotion in this. And there can be such conflicting feelings because it's so easy to just finish and get out like okay 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 finish the weekend woo and we're out and I was just reflecting on on this really unique opportunity to have conversations and to create windows into our lives and to to frame for our kids what it means to finish well Remember, this is just about surfing the waves, and this is a wave that you might want to jump on. In Parenting for Faith, we talk about surfing the waves, and if you want to know more about that, you can head to the website. But uh, this is really about just jumping on board with something that's happening in your kid's life and suggesting ways of, of connecting to God through that and learning more about walking with Him in it. And it just made me reflect on how significant teachers are in the lives of our children, whether they're uh, child minders, whether they are nursery teachers, whether they are teachers in primary school or secondary school, there, there are many people in our children's lives that are significant to them. And yet when they finish the year with them or they move to a different class or they move out of being, a, being minded by them, there's a break in relationship that sometimes we don't honor. And as I was sort of praying about this subject, I just was reminded of something in scripture. This is the story of Jesus healing some lepers in Luke seventeen eleven. He said, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. And I was just struck 
in that passage about the the heart of someone who had his life changed and yet wanted to respond in gratefulness and the recognition that Jesus saw in him of of a grateful heart returning to say thank you. And I was just struck that so many times in our lives, as children, as adults, we just move on to the next thing. And yet there's something about pondering the impact that God has made on us, that others have made in us, that people have been used by God in, to go back and acknowledge God and acknowledge those people in our lives and say thank you. And so I just wanted to I guess suggest to you that this would be a really interesting time rather than just, all right, let's just get through this next week and then we can hit summer, start packing for camping, to just sit at some point while you're in the car, while you're waiting for somebody else to get out of swimming and just just say, you know what? I've been really interested in how your teacher has really impacted you. You know, how do you think your teacher has helped your heart? How do you think God has whispered to your teacher and for them to encourage you and to change you. What 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 is really fantastic about their impact in your life? And it would be great if we came up with some way to express that to them because they work really hard and they care about you a lot. And maybe there's some way to say, wow, in a whole year, this is how I've changed. This is how I'm different. And this teacher was a significant part of that. Whether it's going back and looking at handwriting and all the challenges your teacher gave or the really interesting science things that beginning of the year, you weren't interested in science and now you are. And just training our children to see the impact of God's choices in in where he puts us and how he uses us um, to look at the impact that other people have on our lives, to look back and say, wow, look how much I've changed because of how hard I've worked and how other people have helped me. This sense of reflection. We talk a lot about this in the confidence section of the Parenting for Faith Omnibus about how, how beginning to recognize how we grow and change and how God is daily transforming us to be more like him and we're not finished yet. A part of that is learning to look back and say, wow, look how much I've grown. Look how much I've changed. And look how significant other people have been in my life about that. Now, this doesn't mean you have to buy them gifts. It doesn't mean you have to spend money. It might just mean that we take a moment to write a note. You can take a moment to write a note and they can take a moment to write a note uh, to just go back and say, thank you for the impact you've had on my life. I'm different because of you. I'm different because of all the time and effort that you've put into me and how much you've inspired me to try. And and that that heart of gratitude, that heart of learning, that heart of seeing growth in ourselves, and I'm grateful to the people around us for walking alongside of us, I think is is something that we see over and over and over again in scripture. The the humility of being shaped and the gratefulness of being shaped. And so whether it's friendships, whether it's teachers, whether it's people on a Sunday morning who are involved in your kids' Sunday groups, if they're moving to a different group, just take a moment with your kid, with your family maybe at dinner, and to look around and say, how are we different in this year, and who has been an impact in our lives, and how can we say thank you? Because uh, we are constantly growing, and we are constantly being grateful for who God brings into our lives, because they are using them to shape us to be more like him. So have, a, have an interesting reflection and spread the thankfulness of how God is blessing you guys in surrounding us with people who walk alongside of us, encourage us, support us, and help us be more and more like him. 
For today's question, we have the question, are there spiritual love languages? Well, it's a very interesting question. Uh, I think Gary Chapman wrote a book about this, which I have not read. So I'm going to take his initial love languages book and assume a bunch of stuff. But I'm assuming if you really want to go deep, uh, God, I think it's called God's love languages. Hold on. Let me Google it. Well, there you have it. God Speaks Your Love Language, How to Express and Experience God's Love by Gary Chapman. It's an actual book. But to uh, to sum it up, love languages uh, are something that Gary Chapman exp- talks about, about how we like to perceive to be loved in quality time, words of affirmation, touch, acts of service, people doing stuff for you, and gifts. And uh, the question is really, can those five things be other ways of us connecting with God? And I think the answer is absolutely. Well, it's got to be absolutely because Gary Chapman wrote a whole book on it. And when we look at our children and we can sort of see their personalities and how they feel loved by us, it's actually a really good uh, tool to see maybe... Maybe that's how we can begin to shift our time with them to make suggestions on them connecting with God in those ways as well. So, for instance, if your kid loves quality time, that kid always loves one to one time with everybody, is always wanting to spend significant amount of time with you, primarily alone, then that may be something to push into with God, suggesting chatting and catching or creating their own journal where they can draw together and and read pictures together, where we can ask God for a verse to sort of think about a truth that he has, wants to remind them of at this moment to then sort of chew over and talk about and have a conversation with. Maybe they want to sit and just read the Bible or read a a Christian book that sort of inspires them or talks about God in a way that they could go and sit and spend that time and to shape it in the language of spending time with God. Maybe really helpful for someone with quality time love language. Um, Where for someone with words of affirmation, um, you may want to go down scripture and those those affirmations of God, his his emotions and, and you know, decorate their room with um, having them pick lots of verses that are significant to them with words that they want in their head or um, asking God to remind them of truths that he has spoken over them or stories in the Bible that he could just sort of shape their thoughts and direct them to bits of scripture and bits of truth that he has spoken over to them and words and pictures that he's given them to begin to sort of just remind themselves of all of the things that God speaks over them where a touch kid who loves loves touch may really actually connect with God through all the hugs that they get at church. But also, you know, knowing that catching from God through touch is, is one of the ways we have and to just say, you know, God, whether or not I can feel you right now on my skin, please come close. I know that you're close to the brokenhearted and I, I thank you that you're here and just letting them them do that, but also helping them chat to God through touch. Um, I knew one family who uh, helped their kid who was real touch love language kid to sort of physically respond sometimes that's useful for touch kids even if they they're not reaching out and actually touching god what it means that is that god is real in here and you can you can reach out for him so one kid who was a touch would just move their hand whenever they wanted to feel close to god they would just sort of move their pinky out and it was a way of sort of just telling god god i want you close to me and that child didn't in particular feel god in any way on their skin, but it meant that they were using their body to show God something. And that sort of met that touch and love 
language for them. Where acts of service children um, sometimes really connect with all the stories of Jesus doing things and changing lives. And they often are the kids who, um, one, like to track their prayer requests. They ask God to do something, and did he do it? And so if they struggle with, I asked God to do something, and he didn't, and that becomes a massive barrier for them could be that they have an acts of service love language and they're trying to find where God's love is if he didn't do everything I asked him to do. And so we can tie them into who God is when he's out there and he's helping people. And when he does, um, how he responds to our pleas and petitions and that sometimes it's not exactly what we ask for. Sometimes it's better. Sometimes he weaves it together for good and that we learn to train their eyes to see what God is doing, not just in response to what we're saying, but what he's doing about the whole situation and how we see it change and also getting them involved in serving and getting them out there. Cause sometimes you, you can only have access to a heart of God when you are out there serving others and you begin to see who he is in acts of service to others. And that's another way that they can connect with God. And in the gifts, uh, sometimes we think, well, that's just about whether or not God blesses them. And I think on a bad day, children can become fixated on if God is giving me good things, then he likes me. And if he doesn't, then he doesn't. And so they become fixated on what they have. But a gifts love language actually uh, doesn't have to be about that. Um, A way that we can really help them connect to God through it is not about what we have and what he is giving us that is big and splashy and amazing. But it's actually training our hearts to see the gifts that he gives the world, whether it's um, a lot of kids who have gift love languages, love focusing on beauty and wow, look how beautiful this world is. Or wow, look at look at science. Science shows us this the deeper and deeper and deeper aspects of the creativity and amazingness of God's gift to this world. How genius is God? And a sort of a heart of thankfulness, not thank you for giving this to me, but thank you for being who you are. And thank you for helping those that are lost and and looking at God's character and developing a sort of heart of recognition can sometimes be tied into those gifts. So as you look at your kids, and if if you have no idea what I'm talking about, about love languages, read Gary Chapman's book, Love Languages. You could read Love Languages for Children as well. He wrote a version for that. He also wrote Love Languages for Teenagers. And uh, so plug into that. I know they have them on audiobook. And if you're really intrigued on the whole uh, spiritual aspect of it, you can go for his spiritual one. But even if you just take what we've said now and begin to implement it, it might just open up a little bit more significant moments for you with your child in how they can access God. And here's my friend Ellie with another one of her fun explorations of movies and God. Hi, uh, this is Ellie. I'm a mum of a gorgeous three-year-old and um, I head up the kids and youth ministry for a church up near Stockport and I love films. One of the reasons I love films is because there's something about watching a film that means a thought or a concept can get right under your skin really quickly film for me tends to disarm my thought processes and god can crawl into my creep into my imagination and start talking to me in a way that just seems easier than the rest of my life obviously that means that we have to be really careful with the films we watch and the films we um let our kids watch uh, because they are disarming and 
ideas that we wouldn't be so happy about might creep in too but I love the way God uses film for me I was thinking about what I could share with you guys today and I was reminded of a couple of conversations and a couple of experiences I've had recently. Um, I mentor a couple of teenagers who are uh, 16 and 18 and we spend quite a lot of time doing life together, sharing what we are hoping God will do, praying together about what we need him to do and just generally building a relationship that will help all three of us sustain a life that pursues God. One of the things the three of us love to do is movie nights. Um, I guess I'm the reason they picked me and um, the whole idea of going, sneaking into the church, watching a film on the big screen is something we absolutely love to do. And we do it quite regularly. And we've now created this list of films that Ellie thinks the world should see. So on there are films like 12 Angry Men, uh, right back at the brilliance of Henry Fonda and theater, uh, uh, music theatres, all the way through to the 90s, chick flicks that should not go unwatched and pretty much everything in between and a couple of weeks ago we were watching a couple of chick flicks together uh, they were Hitch which has Will Smith in and This Means War which is a bit newer and more people have heard of both from the 2000s both Certificate 15 and both what you'd call slightly trashy girly films but they opened up some really brilliant conversations the thing about chick flicks is they you can't even call them aspirational. They are a completely fictitious idea of what life might look like if Prince Charming really was wandering around New York City and you, his Cinderella, was ready to meet him. There are loads of reasons why those films are not the greatest things to fill your head with, but they're all over the place. And actually, they're a lot of fun. And having a girly, giggly night is not a bad thing to do. But what these films opened up were conversations about, well, what is an ideal man? And what should a relationship look like? Both of these chick flicks happen to have this uh, question about the person, the right person for you, the right person for someone else. And it was really interesting just watching a film with these two teenagers opened up questions about their hopes and dreams for marriage, the reality of actually living with someone and that it being hard and you have to work at it and it's not perfect, were really, really valuable. And actually, I could tell you the whole plot of both those films, but we probably all know a good chick flick that is a brilliant on screen but would not be in reality. Actually, there are loads of films where we can start a conversation that, that is as simple as, is that what you would want from a relationship? And because you're in that movie watching zone, because you're just laughing and giggling and it's informal, there can be real power in a conversation that is about our hearts. The second relationship thought I had was I was teaching our kids church group uh, on Sunday about Priscilla and Aquila from Acts 18 and I'd been talking about the fact that um, Jesus had met Paul face to face and had been totally transformed 
In fact, so much that he went from being Saul to Paul. And then Paul had met Priscilla and Aquila. And we read about the fact that he went and worked with them and spent time with them and invested and gave them FaceTime. Just the proper version, not the Apple sponsored one. And then we read that when they went to Ephesus, they met a guy called Apollos. And he got their FaceTime. They took him aside and they shared with him the full story of Jesus, which meant that he could become the amazing, powerful speaker that God had designed him to be. And we spent a lot of time talking about the fact that with our kids, we want to have people who are in front of us on the journey of faith, who will inspire us and lead us and help us aim wisely for who Jesus is so that we can become more like him. But that also, almost regardless of where we're at with Jesus, we should want to have people who are coming up behind us, who we can inspire, who we can be a part of, who we can point to Jesus. And we were talking about role models. And I ended up using Star Wars, not just one film in Star Wars, but sort of the whole thing. Taking Luke Skywalker and the fact that he had people who invested in him. You know, you could pick loads of clips where Yoda is speaking to him or Obi-Wan Kenobi. Loads of characters who've been there and done it, who spend the time to invest into Luke all he needs. And then in the last film that's been released right now, episode eight, you see Luke really invest in the next generation, in Rey, in who she is searching to become. He stands up and he's strong, but he also takes the time to invest in her, albeit in a fairly quirky and, let's be honest, grumpy way. And I think sometimes these massive big arcs of stories that take films and films to unfold can be really great reference points for our young people and teenagers. It's something that they're already interested in. It's something that already excites them. And it's such a joy to show them how God's word can be expressed that way. Of course, the fullness of the investment that Paul poured into Priscilla and Aquila or Jesus poured into him or they poured out themselves is so much bigger than a Star Wars epic. But it's a great place to capture kids' imagination. It's a great place to include um, the world that that teenager is living in, in the world that God has created for them. Because actually my heart is that the young people that I get to invest in wouldn't let the investment stop with them, but that they would know that they are powerful and precious and that they are important to imparting what God's got for the world through them, that there is a purpose that is exciting for their life and it includes being a role model and mentor and inspiration to others through God's power, with his wisdom and because of who he is, they get to partner with him in that. (laughs) 
for the question today to start an interesting conversation. Do you think God understands what it feels like to have to leave a place? Why or why not? Have a really good conversation. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you. Thank you.